broadcasting from another dimension, deep within the Ghost Shrimp National Forest, sending you secrets from the future directly into your motherfucking mind. <laughs> That's right, everybody. I'm back in full effect. I have conquered my sickness that kept this podcast from the people. Go Shrimp and Friends podcast, episode 23. That's right, I have been sick. I'm actually a little bit stuffed up right now. But everybody in the Bandit family was throwing up um, this past week. And kind of kind of messed up last week. So um, playing a little catch up here. I had to cancel uh, this podcast twice um, with my a wonderful guest. Uh, but he was super patient. And we eventually got it. They say third time's the charm. I say fuck that. But shit, maybe they're right. Um, uh, we got a very great podcast for you today. My guest is none other than Anthony Scott. Um, he's a stop motion animator um, that I met when I was out in Denmark. You're going to hear all about it. Um, but just to give you a little bit of uh, of his background, he uh, he's worked on um, uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, worked on James and the Giant Peach, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, uh, Coraline, Corpse Bride, uh, and he was the lead stop-motion animator on the Little Prince movie directed by uh, the homie Mark Osborne. Sh-sh-sh-sh-shout-outs. And um, we became fast friends when we were both teaching workshops out at the Animation Workshop in Denmark. And, uh, yeah, just had a fucking great time out there. We talk about that. Uh, let me just recap the whole podcast for you right before you listen to it. No, we won't do that. Uh, but what we are going to do is get to these shout-outs, because we got some new shout-outs from the Patreon page. You know what I'm saying? Starting, as always, with the the $1 uh, pledges, the $1, what do you call it? The $1 patrons, pledging at the $1 level. Big shout-out to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know what I'm saying? We're gaining more support every week. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to get at least two people every week to support the podcast so that by the end of the year or sometime during this year, we will have 100 patrons and we can start to add some sweet uh, Patreon exclusive bonus content. You know what I'm saying? So let's see right off the top. Ooh, coming in at $5 per episode, heavy hitter Sarah Ball coming right out of the 12-week online group workshop. Shout out to the homegirl. Um, once again, coming in $5 per podcast, Yvonne Santiago. Ooh, super appreciated. 
these ladies are going above and beyond. I'm assuming that Yvonne is a lady. Maybe not. But like I said, we're so open-minded here that we can be called ladies. We can be called gentlemen because we're all humans. We're all just creative animals in the infinite universe, y'all. You know that. Um, we got a, a $3 per podcast pledge from Zeta. Shout out to Zeta. Um, we got, oh, another Ghost Scout jumping up, stepping up to get the rep up. Uh, we're at the $2 level. We got a uh, shout out to Lurmy, you know what I'm saying? AKA Ghost Scout computer person fitting right in up here on the Patreon roster. You know what I'm saying? You know we got this delicious cup of coffee going this morning. Mmm. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving right along with these juicy beef stew shout-outs. We've got Shambe Wright. Shout-out to Shambe. Sham, 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 Shambe, 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 Shambe. We got a big shout-out going to Otto Heaney Art. Down, 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 down. Big beef stew shout-out to Michael Garcia. Um, big shout out all the way out to New Zealand to Daniel Foothead, aka Ghost Scout Sports Magic. Uh, big beef stew shout out to Alexi Giroux, right out of the 12 week online group workshop. You know what I'm saying? So many homies supporting this podcast, so dope. Um, the homie from Adventure Time, Jesse Moynihan, creator of Forming. You know what I'm saying? Go check that shit out. Um, shout out Big Beef Stew, shout out to Jesse Moynihan. Um, uh-oh, we've got the reigning, defending, Ghost Scout Training Camp Camp Champion, John Mansfield, a.k.a. Beard Lips. You know what I'm saying? My man Beard Lips in the house. Um, oh, here we go right here. The director of The Little Prince himself, Big Beef Stew. Shout out to Mark Osborne. You know what I'm saying? Friends with our guest today, uh, Anthony Scott. Uh, Big Beef Stew. Shout out to Bark the Dog, B-A-R-C. Ruff, ruff, ruff. You know Bark's taking over the world. You know he loves that beef stew. He ain't letting you get a, even a lick. That bowl's getting cleaned out. You know what I'm saying? Big shout out to Arguably Art. Arguably Art. Um, uh-oh. Big Beef Stew. Shout out to my man Tryman Hunt out there in Denmark. And of course, last but not least, Big Beef Stew. Shout out to Jesse Kakakadani. You know what I'm saying? Wow, this is getting to be a long list. I guess eventually we're going to have to maybe move this uh, shout-outs to the back of the pod. Maybe we'll keep the, you know, whoever's signing up the the fresh ones that week. You get the you get the uh, you get the fresh shout-outs up front, and then maybe uh, get some get the rest in on the back end. But we'll see. I like how it's feeling right now. I like this growing roster of support. You know what I'm saying? So go over to Patreon.com. Uh, slash go shrimp if you want uh, for the one dollar um, level you get uh, early access to every single episode of the pod you get it two days before it hits itunes and soundcloud 
And um, and then if you pledge at the $2 or more level, you get the Beef Stew shout-out. You know what I'm saying? So uh, everybody knows that you're a baller, that you're out there making boss moves in your life, supporting the uh, the the creations that you appreciate. You know what I'm saying? Don't just go on Patreon and support me. Go on and support the other creators that you like because that's what it's all about. This is a very productive form of social media, people. So get on it, get in it, and get all over it. All right, without further ado, let's jump right into this juicy podcast. All right, and here we are once again with yet another new guest, my friend Anthony Scott. Hello. (laughs) Welcome to the Ghost Shrimp and Friends podcast. Um, now let's see. So we met, uh, it's been what, uh, two, almost two years ago. Uh, now we met in Denmark of all places. Yeah, that was probably, um, April, early April. Yep. At, uh, the animation workshop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we were both teaching uh workshops at this really cool and 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 listeners to the podcast will have uh some frame of reference because i did a podcast uh from uh denmark um when i was doing another workshop there earlier let's see well the was it i guess last year now (laughs) because now that we're in 2018 but uh last year i did a podcast from there i did a couple of them i think and uh we talked about it a bit so they should have some favor of reference but uh the animation workshop is just a really cool school an art college in denmark kind of a small art college um, where they teach animation and also graphic storytelling. And uh, it's a four-year program, and um, and it's really unique because all of the teachers there are working artists that they fly in uh, every week or two to teach workshops. So they have, I think, very few, if any, actual teachers that, like, our full-time teachers there, um, they're really just bringing in new teachers all the time, which is a really cool format. And uh, you and I met when we were both teaching workshops there, and we were in the teacher dorm. They have a really cool campus, and we just happened to be there at the same time uh, on the in the same you know on the same floor of the teacher dorm. So it was very serendipitous, and uh, we hit it off right away. And I think we overlapped there for about a week um, right. or so. And, uh, and yeah, we just hit it off and kind of hung out, uh, every day. And there was a couple other uh, guys that we were hanging out with and, and, uh, we just really hit it off and had a great time. And that, that really enhanced my, uh, my experience of being there. I think the, the crew that we had on our, on our teacher dorm floor was like, just made it really, really easy to adjust and super fun to be there. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. I had heard about this for years and I had a number of friends who had gone over and uh, taught, you know, different subjects. And uh, this is my first time. And uh, they wanted me to teach uh, computer animators and 2D animators um, uh, acting. And uh, it was a two-character shot, uh, two characters interacting, basically. So they, but they wanted a stop-motion person to come over and teach them. Uh-huh. From you know my perspective. So trying to figure out, okay, how do I you know, structure this, you know what I mean? It yeah. Was, it was a 
and I kind of did it on the fly. When I got there, I had two lessons planned out, two, um, well, not lessons, but, uh, you know, I had to give a talk, you know, a lecture every morning for about an hour. So I had the first two all planned out, how I was going to start. But then once I got to see, like, uh, where the students were at and what they really needed, what they were interested in, in talking about and, and really what the how the classroom was set up, um, I was able to come up with, like, new lectures kind of like the night before. Yeah. And, so it was really it was really interesting because, you know, it's an all day thing and you're there with like 26 students. You're there from like nine to four or five or something like that. And um, yeah, it was it was great. I mean, super talented. I mean, these students are so talented. I was really impressed. Um, and a lot of them, they just uh, graduated recently. Right. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. The first group that I taught when we were there that time together. Yeah, they graduated uh, the what last year. And then um, Peter, the head of the department, because uh, you were doing it in animation and I was doing it in graphic storytelling. And he actually made that he actually hired me to make uh, to make an illustrated diploma for them. So I actually got to because it was the first graduating cool. class of the graphic storytelling um, uh, major because that's a relatively new um, thing over there. Prior to that, I guess they had just done animation. So this was the first group of comic kids that were graduating. And uh, and yeah, he hired me to, to do the diploma. And I did. I think you, you I think you probably saw it. I think I remember you commenting on it. It's like a little imaginative map of the campus because they have such a unique campus there cool no yeah i need to check that out again yeah that was super fun yeah yeah but yeah, yeah and, so that's that's how we met and i i remember like run, you know walking around viborg looking for uh you know food and beer and <laughs> yeah 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 every day we would kind of go in and get some food and you know you have to change your money and all that and then uh or, or i guess you could just swipe the card too i guess we figured out that you could do that and then uh yeah you're just kind of going and sampling all the great beers that they have at the store there and and coming back found and... that, yeah we found that really cool place it was like a like a pipe shop or something and a beer shop and yeah what was that place that was great um but yeah, what a cool town, just the streets and the way it winds around. It's just like uh, you're in some kind of dream over there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember the place you're talking about because I brought my my like old granddad's smoking pipes, my tobacco pipes over there, yeah. and we went to find some tobacco. And yeah, we went to like a, we found a tobacconist, like a whiskey uh, and, tobacco, and tobacco shop. And the guy was really nice and ended up giving me like I bought some and then he gave me a whole nother satchel and he let us uh, sample some of the some of the like fine whiskey that they had there and stuff. That was super super fun. Yeah, yeah. That was my first time being overseas, so that was uh, that was a real. I've I really haven't traveled much, and now I've been to Viborg twice. Um, and uh, but yeah, it's it's such a it's such a fun little place because it's it's a little city, but it's really so quiet and accessible. You can just really walk right around, and it's. It's not too big where you're really going to get too lost in it. You know, it's a neat little place. It is. Wow. So do you have any trips planned? Are you, do you have any, like, you know, I would imagine you'd get, uh, you know, uh, invites to talk about what you do and uh, out of the country. Does that ever happen? I haven't had any more. Um, I had, no, I haven't had any more. I've just gone there and they want me to come back. Um, I'm going to be back again next year there um, because, because the the way the graphic storytelling department works, they only have a class come in like every other year. So I've already taught both the classes 
I guess, okay. both the groups that are there right now or something. I forget. But um, so I think next year I'm scheduled to go back. And I think uh, the way the way Peter, the way me and Peter were talking about it, I think he wants me to um, teach the teach the opening um, the opening workshop to the junior class uh, whenever that whenever that comes around. So that's kind of cool. Um, that's what I did last time. Uh, I taught the, I taught the first workshop. So when I went this second time, it was at the end of the summer. So that was kind of neat too. Cause when we went, it was in April. So it was just coming out of winter and it was into the springtime. Um, so still a little bit chillier there. And then, uh, and then this time it was, uh, it was right in the summertime. So, uh, there was kind of more outdoor stuff and, and, uh, and walking around the big lake down there. We, you know, the class went for a hike, although we went for a hike the other time too. We hiked out to that cool castle that they have out there and stuff like that it's a pretty it's a pretty cool place a fun place to be yeah i love the the lake there walking around the lake um, yeah but it, fun to be there in the summertime but uh so okay so you're going back i haven't been back i've yeah. been once and um we talked about doing some stop motion but you know they're kind of limited on space and stop motion kind of sprawls out there was right. one set there and i visited them they were working on a film over there, but uh, it just takes up so much space and equipment, and um, it'd be it'd be great to figure out something, but we haven't yet. Yeah, yeah. Was there anything else that stood out in your mind from the experience there? Now you were there for a week uh, before I was there as well, right? Yeah, that's right. And were there any other experiences that you had over there, or just people that you interacted with, or anything like that that stood out in your mind? Well, I do remember that it took me about a week to get over jet lag. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, we're at, we're at, you know, it took me a while to feel normal. Yeah. You know, it's a huge uh, difference. Uh, I don't know what it is, eight or nine hour difference. Right, um, right, right. Because you're coming from the West Coast. Yeah, for me, it was, yeah, it's like, I think yeah. six hours difference from the East Coast. Yeah, and you come in, and I got in there really late on Sunday, and the next morning you got to teach all day. Right, so it's like, right, damn, right, bro, right. you know? Um, but, you know, the students um, were great and a lot of them I'm still, you know, I'm Facebook friends with. So I can see where they're, you know, they're uh, they're done they're, uh They picked up jobs you know, around the world. And it's so cool to kind of see like how they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so cool. And actually, two of the kids that I met out there ended up becoming Ghost Scouts. And uh, and one of the kids from my first uh, class there, he came and became a Ghost Scout and then did a three month residency here in the forest in the cabins here. So that's yeah, pretty cool. That is cool. I think I read about that. that yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I had such a fun time coming back. And, uh, you know, I had I had gotten to meet a lot of the kids that I was going to end up teaching the second time, um, the first time that we had been there. And then, uh, you know, we had hung out a little bit, uh, just because there's such like, a like, a um, hanging out atmosphere at the school, you know, they have the little school bar there and there's just a lot of opportunities to really get to know the people. And, and, uh, it's a rather small school. So you get to know a lot of the students while you're there. And, uh, so then I ended up coming back and getting to teach them and I had already, you know, gotten to meet and been friendly with some of them. So that was pretty pretty cool there's a that's what i'm most impressed with about the school there's such a cool family atmosphere there mm -hmm. like they really have that um where all the students are like so supportive of each other and you know they're always like hugging each other and just like i don't know it just it's 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 so neat how there's so much support from class to class and 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 uh and even you know major to major and all that stuff that uh it's really fun to participate in and uh i'm excited that you know they want me to 
be an ongoing part of it because yeah i've never really done anything like that i never it's funny too because that you know that that sort of um you know i don't know what inspired them to bring me out there but you know what interested me in going out there was seeing if if the kind of the leadership skills and stuff that i was developing at ghost scout training camp you know having done five years of ghost scout training camp by the time you know i went out to denmark um how those would kind of translate into like a very traditional classroom setting because i'm a very like untraditional person and i hate school and i hate classrooms and stuff like that so i didn't really know how it would translate and i just thought well you know i'm just gonna do all the same things i as much stuff that i do at camp i'm gonna bring it with me there and so like you remember i wear a jumpsuit every day and i would have them do jumping jacks every day in the morning to just you know get going and and kind of bring them into my world a little bit and you know that translated super well and that was uh that was that was a real revelation to me and then that was one of the things that now i've created this uh this other kind of offshoot of of that train of thought into this online workshop that i do i created this 12-week online workshop this past year and i'm in the third round of that right now and that's turned out to be like a really interesting uh success and oh, the phone's going off here. That's turned out to be a really interesting, successful endeavor and uh, really continued to hone my like teaching skills. So it's funny that that really precipitated like this whole kind of next direction of of where I was going to develop uh, my my kind of business model from there. So it really ended up being a pretty a pretty monumentous thing for me. That is cool. Yeah. You were asking me if I remembered something about the the experience. I just remembered. I mean, when you were talking about how social they are, yeah, and how yeah. they come together and have meals and dinners. And one thing that the students that were doing, uh, I had like seven or eight of my students were vegan. So they were having a vegan lunch twice a week. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They do those vegan lunches there. Yeah. Yeah. And they would prepare this big, you know, meal and you could like sign up for it. Right. You know, and and give them some money and, and participate that way and um, have this delicious vegan meal twice a week. And that's what I did because you know, I'm vegan. So it was, I was really happy to, uh, to discover that. And, uh, but everything was made. They have a big kitchen there and they come together and make these delicious meals. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we have, uh, I don't know, I know you've heard some of the episodes of the podcast. I don't know if you've heard any with the, uh, where I try to, where we, you know, organically some uh, some some shit talking happened between some of the scouts <laughs> of the vegan, non-vegan, and we have this whole fake uh, vegan beef thing that we've been trying to brew up on the podcast. And uh, the last episode, we tried to b- refresh some of that and stir it up and all that. So we like to create the spicy controversies on this podcast. So if you have any very very controversial Uh-oh. statements about vegan lifestyles uh you know you can add you can add to the fire yeah yeah meat is murder how's that (laughs) oh there you go shots fired back what do you have (laughs) to say about that you murderer stop murdering things with your mouth Yeah, enjoy your meat i know it tastes delicious i i spent 50 years eating meat and it smells delicious (laughs) and man i was into it but you know yeah i've been a vegan for five years and and it is easier and easier as time goes on i don't it's not like uh, I, like I don't think I could ever give up like coffee, right? Or or beer necessarily. So if um, they were like coffee is murderous, and then you'd be like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> I'd be like, give me those beans. <laughs> like, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know that's not why I became vegan though. I mean that was one of the reasons, yeah, but um, yeah, there's there's a lot of different reasons health wise. I mean it's just better for your body. Yeah, and I like to experiment. So I was actually handling a lot of food at the time and I was cooking, I was eating a lot of meat 
and I was thinking about where it came from and I was watching all these documentaries. And I was getting more and more informed about uh, it's, it's, it's pretty horrible when you start looking at <laughs> where a lot of our food comes from. Yeah, and no, so yeah, I was, totally. I was getting weirded out. And so I thought, you know, oh, oh I watched the show on Netflix called um, Vegucated. Mm-hmm. Right? Where, have you heard of that? I don't know if I've seen that one. I've seen a, I've seen a ton of them. Like I, I definitely watch them and I go on like binges of watching them. So sometimes they blur together a little bit. I'm not sure if I've seen yeah. that Educated. one. Is that the one where the girl's talking to herself in the mirror throughout the whole thing? And it's like, that's kind of a visual theme of it. Or is that a different one? Well, I know the, the, yeah, there's a woman director and she takes three subjects, three people who are. Oh, I've seen that one. I've seen carnivores. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's like an experiment. And yes, we're going to, we're going to, you're going to be vegan for six weeks. Right. And so I watched that and I thought, and and it's kind of light, you know, it's kind of funny, but it does bring up some things as well. And I thought, okay, as an experiment, I'm going to try veganism. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure, you know, what if I, I'm not getting proper nutrients or whatever. Right. So I experimented on myself, basically. And, uh, you know, I've been going to the doctor and making sure, you know, getting blood work, making sure that all my levels are correct, B12, everything. And everything's great. In fact, I just got back uh, the results of the latest, uh, you know, blood work. And my doctor said, wow, for your age, you're in incredible shape. And I, <laughs> all this. So I said, oh, it must be because of my vegan, you know, this part of it. I also exercise, you know. I, stand-up paddleboarding and I'm outside a lot yeah that's great exercise isn't it the stand-up paddleboarding stand-up paddleboarding is great i you know i've been doing that about two and a half years mm-hmm. um, and uh taught my dog how to do it with me and uh, yeah it's uh it's really fun to get out there and paddle around with your dog yes yeah, so and you get to do that year round because you're a california boy well Cal- is, uh, an adoptive is, yeah. california boy yeah, the only thing that prevents me from getting out there usually is wind. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. In the wintertime, is it more windy up there? Or? I would say it's funny because in the summertime, it gets really foggy here. Okay. On the coast. Because mm-hmm. so, yeah, it gets really hot. And so the and are you comes... are you technically Northern California? Or are you like Central? What's the... I'm Central. Okay. I'm in... Yeah, I'm like basically in between San Francisco and Los Angeles, about four hours either direction. Right, right, right. So that's kind of convenient. You can you're kind of out in the yeah. you're out in the in the theoretical boonies maybe, but you can kind of jump yeah. to either in either direction and and get to where you might need to do some work. Yeah, if I need, I was just down in LA working for a couple of months, in, uh, November and December, and uh, yeah, around here the big city is uh, San Luis Obispo, which is like a big college town, but it's not really a big city. But that's where I go if I want to go to Trader Joe's or something like that. Right. But where I live, Morro Bay, is like ten thousand people. And yeah pretty small yeah yeah wow that's cool yeah it seems like i always see the pictures you post on instagram and stuff and it seems like you've got a real nice uh you know i'm always talking about you know really encouraging people to live their dream life and really build their life around all the stuff that interests them and and being able to do it as much as possible because i feel like you know that's really the the richness of life and and who you're spending your time with and what you're spending your time really doing and where you're doing it i think uh location is one of the things that's massively underrated um when people are making lifestyle decisions uh you know uh, other than like you know in terms of connecting it to money or something like that and uh you know as as someone that you know purposely chooses to live in in rural america i find it amazing that 
uh, 80% of Americans live in the city. I find that statistic to be like just shocking and being like, wow, maybe they like don't know how beautiful it is when you get outside of the city, you know? Yeah, you know, I've lived in plenty of cities and, and part of me likes that. Yeah, yeah. But after I was in uh, Montreal, which was a great experience, I lived there for almost a, or over a year, I started thinking about uh, where do I want to go, where do I want to go? And I was kind of like, trying to listen to that, you know, like, you know, which direction should I go? I wasn't completely sure. It wasn't like a job. I had a job and I had to move somewhere to work somewhere. I had some time off and I had some time to think about it. Yeah. And I was kind of traveling around the country and I was visiting friends all over the country. I was just driving around and uh, this is before I had my dog. Um, and I kept thinking ocean. I want to live by the ocean. I've always wanted to live by the ocean. I've never, you know, I've lived in San Francisco. I lived in that area, but never like next to the ocean. Yeah. So I started thinking like, well, you know, basically my, I, I think, you know, this is the only life I'm going to have. And what am I wasting time? Why am I wasting this time? I should be, you know, looking for uh, this place, even though I'm not sure exactly where. Yeah. Anyway, I lived in Morro Bay in 2003, so I already knew it. Uh-huh. And I came back here just to check it out. And I was here in 2003. I was here for a year working on. Davy and Goliath Snowboard Christmas with the Cloakies. Uh-huh. Uh, so I was just working. I wasn't like really enjoying the place, like hiking and paddling or anything like that. So uh, I came back here and found it. I'm like, and, and I found this uh, vegan cafe downtown Morro Bay, which is a tiny place. I'm like, oh, that's a good sign. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, there's something about it. It just seemed perfect. You know, location wise, it's in California. I was in Portland previous to, uh, to uh, Montreal. And I wasn't uh, thinking of moving back up there. So it was kind of my return to California. And this is, uh, this feels like home now. I've been here three years. Yeah. Wow. That's cool, man. Yeah. I, th- I feel like, yeah, we've been in Vermont. We've been, uh, you know, I mean, I grew up like about four hours from here in Western Mass and then uh, a little closer where my parents live now in suburban New Hampshire. And then, um, you know, ended up getting this property and, and moving up into the forest about six years ago. But yeah, I feel like it takes about like five years to really like settle into a new place and like really start to have it feel like home and you really start to get to know everybody and, and kind of find your niche and, and find your community and all that stuff. I feel like the last couple of years, it's uh, really started to feel more homey uh, uh, for me. Yeah, I agree. It does take time. It's, you know, what's nice about it for me is, um, I, I mean, I feel like usually I just kind of move around so much. I don't, I don't have time to even know my neighbors, you know? Right. And here, it's like, I know my neighbors, I work with some of my neighbors. Yeah. I have another job where I work as a, you know, uh, I'm a certified uh, instructor uh, for stand-up paddleboarding. Oh, cool. As well. So I work for a company here from time to time, just, you know, whenever they need me, or I take out groups with them. Uh-huh. I take out, like, a group of 20 people on paddleboards, and it's, it's a blast. You uh-huh. have a bunch of people on paddleboards paddling around. Um, so that's my little side thing here, and, you know, which is completely different from animating in the dark all day you know out there on the water all day in the sun it's like it's it's a great contrast yeah no i feel the same way i mean that's why that's a big part of why i love to live in the woods and have a you know this kind of homesteading lifestyle like i'm out chopping wood i'm out hauling boards around i'm building my house you know it's having something that having and then and then of course in the summertime we're camping and hiking mountains and going swimming and i feel like you need uh, to live in a place and you need to build a lifestyle for yourself that, that, that complements, uh, you know, whatever you kind of, 
it offsets whatever you do, you know, like for a living. Like I, that's the same thing. It's like, you know, I sit there and draw all day, but I never have any hand problems, wrist problems, back problems. Cause I'm always out riding my bike. I'm always being super active. I'm always doing all these things, you know? And I feel like that's uh, very underrated, um, amongst, uh, artistic folks sometimes is, uh, you know, really getting out and, and engaging the physicality of being a human being. Yeah. And interacting with nature. I mean, isn't totally, it great? Totally. No, it's like, I would be lost yeah. without it. I would be completely lost without nature is really, truly, you know, it's like cliche to be like, nature is my temple or my church or whatever, but that's truly how I feel. Like I never feel more myself when I'm just chilling in the woods. That's my, that's my habitat. That's my natural habitat as a human being, yeah. you know, and, and it's such a tangible difference. It's, uh, I just feel so much, I just feel like I belong here. You know, it's, it's a wonderful I totally feeling. get it. We are, we are part of nature. Yeah. And I think people forget that. They get yeah. too caught up with, you know, their concrete. Yeah. And I love the city too, but you can't deny that it's a completely like man-made bubble that really blocks out a lot of those, a lot of the, what do you call it? Call them vibes or whatever that connection you're making with nature is. You're just not around actual other living things that much. I mean, of course there's microbes and germs and all that stuff everywhere you go, but just the amount of animals and plant life and all this stuff that here it's like, I'm completely surrounded by it and overwhelmed with it all the time. And then when you go into a completely man-made environment, it's like, you know, it's intentionally planted here and there and there'll be a pigeon or a rat or, you know, what, 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 what may have you or a few birds chirping here and there or a possum or something. But you know, I mean, it's just not at all the same, you know, and it's, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I definitely have loved the times that I've lived in the city. And I thought, you know, when I was a teenager that I wanted to, when I went to school in Brooklyn, I thought I was going to live there for the rest of my life. Um, but, uh, yeah, it quickly made me realize, oh, wow, this is a tangible difference on your psyche than when you live, uh, in an urban environment, um, to a, to a, you know, more rural environment. It's, uh, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, what kind of animals do you see over there? Really everything, especially that's one of the things I love about the winter the most is you can see the tracks of them every day. You really see the daily activity of all the animals. But we have bear, moose, deer, um, eagles, hawks, uh, fox, coyote. Um, you know, the supposedly, um, there aren't, uh, there aren't mountain lions, but there's, you know, every once in a while people claim that they see a mountain lion, but they're, you know, they're not here in abundance. Um, not like they are out West. Um, uh, but yeah, just all sorts of critters and then, you know, squirrels and chipmunks and snakes and, you know, all the fish, all the, you know, all the wacky stuff that's in the water and everything. So yeah, it's just like, and then, yeah, I just, I mean, literally I'll just walk in my, you know, into the woods, you know, right outside my house and I'll see that a bunch of deer have been sleeping right there. And, you know, I'll see that a bunch of turkeys walked right by the house in the night and like, you know, it's like, we're really right in the middle of, uh, of, of, of the, of the wild, uh, nature, which is is always so much fun for me i love it you ever have any bear encounters no bears are super elusive i've only seen bears i mean we also have dogs that live outside uh that live outside the house um so that you know kind of discourages animals from you know coming you getting too inquisitive around the house um like my neighbor has a beehive and he has to put up an electric fence to keep the bears out of there so they're here um but yeah i've only seen them like crossing the road really briefly coyotes and bears are super super elusive like 
I'll see signs of them and I'll hear the coyotes all the time, but I've only ever glimpsed a coyote for a split second once crossing the road, you know, when you're driving up and you just happen to cross paths with them super quick. I mean, they don't, they don't want anything to do with you, you know, like cats too. There's bobcats and I see the tracks every day, but I never see the bobcat. I mean, they, they, you're never going to see them. Yeah, we got in this area, we have, um, well, out on the water, I see a lot of uh, sea lions and harbor seals, sea otters, all kinds of birds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I love it. That's so cool. They're all right there. They pop up and there's a sea lion right there. (laughs) That's so cool. So one of the funny coincidences of when we met in Denmark was that... um, uh, I think I hadn't met Mark Osborne yet, but you know I've worked with Kent Osborne. He's uh he's been on the podcast, and he's going to be my neighbor coming this spring. Um, but uh, you know I've I've been friends with Kent from working on Adventure Time, and I hadn't met Mark yet. But Mark was uh, scheduled to come to Go Scout Training Camp um, the following summer after we had uh, met in Denmark. So um, and and it was funny because you had just finished working on the Little Prince with him, and uh, somehow how we had gotten started talking about uh you know whatever and you said oh, i just you know was working on the little prince and i said oh my god you know mark osborne uh, is, is going to come to be a visiting artist at ghost scout training camp this summer so it was a really funny coincidence that is yeah i'm gonna see mark in a month oh I'm cool gonna, cool yeah i'm giving a talk about nightmare before christmas and james and the giant peach at yep. the alamo draft house and mark's going to be there right i saw that i saw you posted that oh, okay. that's super cool yeah yeah that's awesome yeah mark's mark uh, just wrote to me and he said actually when he was listening to that kent pod he said oh my god this i'm this pod is cracking me up uh <laughs> I, I i've got to come back to ghost scout training camp this summer so he wants to come back again and oh, cool. uh yeah and and it's my dream to get you guys both out here together i think that'd be really fun i think that'd be a co- powerful combination so maybe we'll plant that seed too maybe uh if the right. timing works out we could coax you out here one of these summers all right yeah i need to see what you're doing over there and uh yeah it's a lot of fun yeah it seems like uh if you guys can uh, handle a vegan over there (laughs) oh yeah no we have we have quite a contingent growing of vegan scouts which is awesome and uh and now we have this tradition that's been going on the last couple years where we used to have two cookouts a week we used to have wednesday and uh saturday cookouts when we do the outdoor movie night um used to coincide with that and then uh we changed one of those to be because everybody used to get meated out when you have two cookouts a week like no matter how much you love meat that's like for a month that's like a lot of meat and i would just be like wow i'm done eating meat for like a long time after this um and you just get sick of it you're like bratwurst you're like it's so good in the beginning and now you're like this yeah. is really gross to me right now <laughs> so um but yeah but now the now that um that that tradition has uh been even varied further where we have the we have the communal dinner night where we break we break the we break the cadets into teams of three and so each week one of the teams uh collects five dollars from everybody in camp and then goes into town buys all the ingredients and makes a big meal for everybody and um and uh, now now of course because we have this growing vegan vegan contingent that now there's a there's a you know meat and and vegan options uh at these at these uh at these communal dinners so so we are uh we will be ready to facilitate all your all your needs with with high-end vegan cuisine we had some very very delicious uh vegan curries going on and all kinds of delicious stuff this year so shout out to the vegans and our current and reigning camp champion beard lips is uh is is 
quite possibly the leader of the vegans, the vegan contingent, especially in this in this beef, because he came on to respond to that to the vegan beef, and that's what created it in the first place. So, wait, how did Beard Lips get his name? Uh, Beard Lips, I think actually uh, Wolfie might have given him that name. Uh, <laughs> I think Wolfie called him uh, Robot Face and Beard Lips, and somehow <laughs> Beard Lips stuck. <laughs> so yeah the 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 yeah and he, I mean he has a beard and he also has lips um so it does make sense yeah um so uh yeah we just wait but yeah sometimes names will come from something like that and sometimes the names will just they're always given on graduation uh day um we have different graduation rituals for graduation week and then there's a day where you become a ghost scout and you get your shirt and you get your code name it's actually a night um and uh, we have all these kind of secret society rituals that we do and stuff that we have a lot of fun with. And, uh, and yeah, you're given your name, um, that night in a special ceremony. And, uh, sometimes, you know, they've kind of been already ordained that through the process of camp and something funny that happened. And sometimes it's just a completely random name that we, uh, kind of, you know, as me and the counselors will make up a list of, of names that we think are awesome and, and, uh, and who they should be for. So it's, uh, we have a lot of fun. That's cool. So when we were at the animation workshop, uh, you did a cool talk to the whole school and uh, you just went over all the projects that you had worked on. Um, and you've worked on some really cool projects, uh, you know, The Nightmare Before Christmas, James the Giant Peach, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2. Uh, I'm just looking at the IMDb here. Uh, Monkey Bone and Evolution, which are totally cool projects to have worked on. Corpse Bride. Um, Coraline, uh, Harold and Kumar, 3D Christmas, the Little Prince. Um, so, uh, you know, of all the stuff you've worked on, uh, like, well, first of all, one of the things that was that was so cool about your presentation is that you started with with uh i forget if they were just photos or if there's video too of you just making stop motion animation stuff as a kid just i remember you had this elaborate setup of the of the wall in king kong and you were doing i think some kind of king kong uh stop motion video and I, I, I love it so much because, you know, I think especially today's day and age, you see so many kids like that go to art school and come out and say like, you know, oh, I want to pitch to get my own show and stuff like this. And I'm always telling people, you got to prove yourself before you pitch. You got to actually go do the stuff that you want to do and do it for yourself first before you go and try to, you know, just sell the the hypothetical idea that you can do this thing at the highest level right off the bat, you know? So I always love to see that real, like just doing it for fun and, and nothing else in your, uh, you know, that you, that you represented in those pictures. So I don't know what, what, uh, you know, what do you, what do you have to say for yourself there? <laughs> yeah. I was kind of obsessed with King Kong. Yeah. And I mean, that was one of the things, but it was a huge uh, inspiration to try stop motion. And I started when I was 11 years old, I had a little super eight camera. I could barely do anything. It couldn't even focus. It was just sort of this fixed focus, no single frames. You're just like tapping the shutter um, and I use that, you know, to, to learn, uh, you know, to try different things. I tried animating clay characters. I tried animating, uh, cutouts and, uh, I turned my, uh, I had like a GI Joe. They used to make GI Joes really big. I don't know if they're big anymore, but, uh, like they were probably like 11 inches tall. And right. Just, the old school ones. Yeah. Like the, like, the Barbie size. I like cut his legs. So they were shorter and I, I turned him into a King Kong puppet basically. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> 
and I made a wall out of cardboard, made trees and, you know, just there's no Internet. There are no books. There's no I mean, there were there were two books of the library that even talked about stop motion. And so none of it really told you how to do it. So I had to figure out a lot of this stuff on my own. And, um, you know, Ray Harryhausen, huge inspiration as a kid, you know, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad and, you know, all the Sinbad movies, uh, uh, Mighty Joe Young, uh, he, he had a hand in all these. And so years later, you know, I got to meet him and I think, you know, I don't really get too nervous when I meet people very often, but I couldn't believe when I met Ray Harry, I was the first time I, it was pretty, it was one of those moments. Uh, I went to the tortoise and hare premiere, um, they, uh, some friends of mine actually helped him finish this film that he started 50 years before and never finished. So he, they took it over and shot new scenes and then cut it all together. And then they had a big premiere in, in Hollywood. And I went to that premiere. My friends invited me and Ray was there and they introduced me to him. And yeah, like to meet like someone like that, uh, after years and years, uh, you know, when you're a kid, like basically idolizing this person, um, it was a super thrill. So, you know, it's definitely been an interesting life. Like I knew what I wanted to do when I was a kid. I knew yeah, yeah. I wanted to get into stop motion when I was after trying a few things. I didn't want to draw all day. So I thought oh, I kept kept leaning towards stop motion and I kept experimenting and shooting things all through high school. I would get my friends and make movies with them, but I would also I would still pursue animation. And um what else? Um yeah, and that was in Michigan. I was in Flint, Michigan. Mm -hmm. So it's not like the capital of uh, animation at all over there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but I kept persisting and, you know, created some films. And actually, some of the films I did when I was a teenager helped get my first job, which was The the New Adventures of Gumby in 1987. Uh-huh. So, uh, so, yeah, anybody out there, just, you know, experiment, uh, try new things. And I still like that. I still... I'm still trying, uh, experimenting with, uh, uh, I love pushing this art form and trying different things, not just working on a movie. I think movies are great. Uh, but I like short projects too. I like short experimental projects. Yeah. Yeah. Now when, uh, when we had, uh, you know, spoken last, uh, you know, I forget if it was over in Denmark or, or I think maybe there and then online a little bit, you were working on doing some, new Gumby stuff because you were interested in, uh, you know, getting some new Gumby projects going, right? That's right. And so what's the, can you talk anything about that now? Those are still in development. We're trying to develop a, a series, a TV series or a movie or both. Or uh -huh. we, we, we did a small project for a traveling, uh, uh, exhibit museum exhibit that was on animation. I did that with Gumby characters. Uh -huh. But yeah, you know, these things take some time to get yeah, together, yeah. To, you know, and get the budgets and the, everything. So yeah, no, I'm still, you know, definitely connected, uh, with the cloakies on that. Uh huh. And right now, um, you know, Art Cloakey, who, who created Gumby, he passed away in 2010. Uh, his son, uh, Joe Cloakey has taken over the whole Gumby world. Uh huh. And, uh, he, he lives close to me. He actually lives in this area. So that was, that's another convenient thing about living here. Yeah. 
So that's cool. So we may see some uh, new Gumby stuff in the future, which will be pretty exciting. I loved watching Gumby as a kid, and I love when you go back and watch the, you know, because I think they're, uh, you know, on in either Netflix or, or Amazon or something like that. You can access them, and, and the old ones, you can see so much of the hand of the animators in it, literally. I mean, it's like, you know, the just the, the, the it looks so handmade, you know, with... You know, with the, I don't know, just the way it is, it's just, it's so cool. It's, you can really see that this is something that someone made, and it's the antithesis of the flawless, you know, uh, kind of computer graphic world that, you know, we seem to be uh, hurtling towards. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly what a, uh, you know, I mean, you probably, obviously the new stuff would look a little slicker than the very original things, but there's some, really a charm to that. You know, I love that. Yeah, nowadays um, we've got grabbers, we have software. You can, right, it definitely right. helps to smooth everything out. But back then it was, we had a camera and lights and a set and puppet and you just move it. Yeah. And you couldn't really flip back and forth like you can now uh, using uh, Dragon Frame software or whatever software. But right. um, but the main thing about the Gumby Project was the, um, the series was it was a great environment for all of us to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of us were really young, just out of school or just out of wherever, and it was our first uh, film job. And a, a lot of these uh, people, um, you know, I'm still friends with 30 years later, and they moved on to other, you know, projects. Or I work with them on, you know, a lot of us worked on Nightmare together again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, James and the Giant Peach, Monkey Bone. Some went off and started doing computer animation, and they're kind of still in that world. Or sometimes they come back. I, I did the same thing. I worked on the computer for a while at Pixar. But I found myself really missing stages and the smell of hot glue and, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the physical whole, tactileness of it. And that whole risky, you know, it's it's kind of a risky business animating a puppet because you're like walking a tightrope. You know, if you make a mistake, you got to either start over or cut that out or whatever. I mean, computer, you can kind of work it and massage it and make it perfect. Um, and that's great. I, I really loved learning those skills. But. You know, um, there was something about I, I missed the process in the, of stop motion. So I would love to replicate that whole thing, you know, with a new Gumby series. You know, yeah. New talent in and, you know, it could be their, you know, first job similar to what I went through. I just think it was a really great way to learn. Yeah, well, it seems like a no-brainer, especially with so many outlets for new content now, you know, the Netflixes and all this stuff really uh, usurping the, you know, traditional methods of TV and, and uh, you know, blurring the lines between TV and movie making and all that stuff, you know, really heading into a new frontier. Um, so I think, man, I mean, it sounds like, uh, you know. I mean, you know, as we know, it's so much just about like, you know, which regime is in charge right now and what, what kind of, what kind of thing are they going for? What kind of attitude are they going for? What kind of, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, they're always trying to capture the super modern mentality with everything they're doing and be forward thinking and all that. So, you know, some of it is, uh, falls prey to the politics of the time, but it seems like now it's you know we're in we're in a real boom of uh new content yeah and i think people are craving you know different looks and different i mean we still want to do everything in clay and uh you know using newer software to actually see what you're doing as you're as you're working and whether you're morphing something or whatever um it's been great so yeah i've been doing a i don't know i did a gumby google doodle a few years back as a tribute to art cloakie and 
that was the first time I'd touched clay in years. Mm-hmm. And there was something so like, ah, oh, it just brought me back to yeah. like being a kid again, really. Yeah. Like, oh, I can squish this thing and <laughs> change it and make it into something else. And so that whole thing, it's, it, it was really great to do that. And um, it just made me, it just kind of reawakened that. Because for a long time, I, I was just using clay or I was using puppets made out of silicone or foam latex or other other uh, materials other than clay and stayed far away. Because clay, you know, there's it, there's some maintenance involved and you feel like there's limitations. But I feel like now after all the years of, uh, you know, you know, my experience and I can kind of go back to this like using uh, clay as a medium and apply everything I've learned to it. That's been the fun part. Yeah. Yeah. I did a little bit of when I was in school, I had one animation class and uh, I did some stop motion clay animation and just, yeah, just had a blast with it. There is something so uh, just childlike and playful about the process of it. That is, is, you know, is very joyful. You know, it, it really just makes your heart happy. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, with all these projects, you know, you've worked on so many notable projects. Um, you know, when you think back, like what what stands out about, you know, what what are what are some of the like your 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 favorite times that stand out or some of the most like challenging times that stand out in 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 the course of your career? Uh, well, I'm going to say Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh-huh. That was the first movie I'd ever worked on. And uh, the funny thing is, is that, uh, do you have to get that? No, I'm just going to ignore it. <laughs> this is how we do the podcast. It's wrong. Right. Just keep it in. <laughs> um, yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas, I, um, I, you know, I had already known Henry Selleck because I had worked with him on a couple of MTV spots, uh, Pillsbury Doughboy commercials and uh-huh. some other things at a, a studio called Colossal Pictures. But this was his, uh, you know, he, he brought this idea to us and I saw the uh, design of Jack Skellington. I saw, I read a treatment about it, but I was like, I was really insistent on reading the screenplay and they had, they didn't have one ready yet. So I turned down Nightmare Before Christmas twice. Wow. (laughs) So until they got me the script, it was like eight months later, they got, they sent me the script and I read it and I went, oh, this is great. And there was a sequence in there. um, It's called Poor Jack now where he, um, it's basically his turning point where he realizes, what am I doing? Why am I trying to take over Christmas? I'm the pumpkin king. I, you know, he realizes who he is. And I read that. I went, oh, man, I love that is the best part for me. And so when I, I accepted the job and I, and I uh, started animating and then as time went on, I decided to ask Henry if I could do that sequence and he allowed me to do it. And so for me, that that's kind of the peak experience, because number one, uh, you don't usually get to do an entire sequence by yourself. Um, I had some help with the uh, Zero, the Ghost Dog animation, but I did all the Jack Skellington animation and maybe half of the Zero animation in that sequence. And to, to own a whole sequence like that, that's pretty rare. But also the fact that that's the whole reason I took the job in the first place. And um, I spent six months animating that stuff. You know, Jack's like in his ripped up Santa suit and He's all singing. It's a big musical number, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had other other projects, but that one always, when I watch it, you know, I don't even like watching my stuff, but that sequence I like, I still like. Yeah. 
Oh, that's interesting. Why don't you like watching your stuff? Just because you see where uh, you could have like made improvements and stuff like that. Yeah, especially the newer stuff. Like sometimes you nail it and sometimes you don't. You don't yeah. want to see what you didn't nail, basically. Yeah, yeah the so, interesting like, thing about Nightmare Before Christmas and, you know, for people that, you know, are maybe younger in the audience, uh, you know, I, I remember I was probably like, what year did that come out? 93 93 so i was 13 so i was at a great age to experience that you know just to it really came out of nowhere and i feel like you had seen nothing like it i mean it was just it really seemed to you know uh take the world by storm and it and it became you know a uh you know a huge success and everybody was talking about it and it was just like i mean at least to my perspective was that right was it a big commercial success it, it, it was not it was it did about 50 million okay in, domestically and here's the other thing disney released it but they didn't put their name on it they oh, released it so weird. a touchstone film because they weren't sure they you know too dark or who knows what the reasons were right it was so different it was really different because what yeah. had tim burton done before that uh he had done like beetlejuice and okay um, oh so he had okay peewee peewee's big adventure he had done batman yeah um, okay the first, the first Batman, and then he was doing the sequel, the Batman sequel, while we were doing Nightmare. Oh wow! And he was, and he was doing Ed Wood as well. Oh my God! Which is probably my favorite Tim Burton movie. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. But um, so he was doing that. Henry was directing Nightmare Before Christmas. Tim would come in earlier, and uh, I, you know, I didn't always see Tim. He would come by once in a while. He did come onto my set one day and and tell me that he was really happy with what I was doing with the poor Jack sequence, which was pretty pretty cool yeah but he was he wasn't around much because he was busy with his other films but oh wow somehow i had put that earlier in his career in my mind i think just because i was younger or whatever but oh wait hold on this keeps calling let me see what's going on here oh i missed it Three calls in a row usually means that my wife has something to say to me. <laughs> but yeah, the you know, I remember that coming out and just it seeming, you know, and I'm not even so much of a fan of like musicals or anything like that, but um okay, I just it just came from such a different place and had such a striking visual um presence, you know, and uh I don't know, it just it 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 had a huge impact on me. Uh, you know, just seeing it and watching it over and over again. I mean, I watched it so many times. Um and, and now, you know, it still it still holds up. I mean, me and me and uh we, we have family movie night every week and uh we watched it we've watched it a few times with Wolfie, but you know, as he's getting older now and appreciating it more, uh this last time we watched it, he was just really into it and loving it and the character designs are so cool in that movie and uh yeah, it's just such a such a neat project to have worked on. I mean I can see why that stands out in your mind. Um, yep. having, having contributed to that. That's just so fucking cool. It, it was a great experience. And then who knew that it would like have this whole life afterwards. And, uh, I think it, when it came out in 3d, they actually did a, a, a 3d version later. And I think that's when Disney decided to put their name on it, but it mm -hmm. took a while. Um, but, but the thing is, I mean, I, I go everywhere. I see Jack Skellington on, on cars, stickers, or sweatshirts. And it, it, 
there's no other movie I've worked on where I see merchandising everywhere. Yeah. It's yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas. There's yeah. one on a car right now that says, my family is a nightmare. Have you seen that one? No. You know those stick people people put on the back of their cars? Yeah, little, yeah. There's one with like stick Jack Skellington and, and Sally and two other characters, probably Locke or Shock, Barrel, one of those characters. There's like four of them. I think zero two, and it says my family is a nightmare. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, it's 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 amazing that they never try to make a sequel or something, right? Because in hindsight, it's been you know so well received. Yeah, I, I there's probably been talks about that, but um, that doesn't see. I don't. I wouldn't be excited. About <laughs> yeah, it. no, no, not at all that you'd want to see it, but just that you know, any yeah, you know, they're always trying to capture recapture that lightning in a bottle. I know. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So were there ever any projects that you were like, well, oh, oh, I wanted to ask you, did you, when you were working on that, did you have any inclination of the impact that it would have, like, uh, in the long term? No, not at all. Yeah. Nothing. No. <laughs> wow. And, and did you have any projects in your career uh, that you were super psyched to work on but never came to fruition? Uh, I mean... I mean, there was, well, Frank and Weenie, uh, I was thinking about working on Frank and Weenie, but I was also dealing with other things in in the States. Frank and Weenie was, was going to be shot in, in London again, like Corpse Bride was. And um, so I turned the job down. And I think that would have been a really cool project to work on. But I had other things going on in the States. I ended up working on Paranorman at Leica instead mm-hmm. um, and just decided to stay um, but it would have been nice to do both of those projects. Yeah. But sometimes you have to choose, you know? You yeah. It, it, it's a nice problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> and now why don't you, why aren't you working at like a studio full time? Ooh. <laughs> um, let's see. As, I, as, asking from someone who also, you know, could work at a studio full time and chooses not to. So I'm always curious about those decisions. Yeah. You know, most well, people think, like, you know, most people would think, God, this guy could do, pick any project he could work on. He could go work at any studio. You know, what, why, why, why isn't he doing that? I think, you know, the last few years I am realizing I really enjoy working on uh, short experimental projects with my friends, like small crews. Um, I'm not opposed to working on a movie, um, but I, I think, you know, that moment where I was actually animating those Gumby characters, this was actually up in Oregon. I was working on Paranorman at the time. I was doing this on the weekend. Um, I was like, man, I really love this. I just, I want to, I want to have this feeling when I'm working on something, you know? Um, so if I can work on smaller projects and somehow make it work, I'm, that's my goal. Um, but I did, you know, I did work on Little Prince, which was a feature. Um, we only produced about 16 minutes of animation for that movie. Um, we had a very small crew, so it was perfect. You mm-hmm. know? Um, but I love that, you know. Um, I've worked on several big projects um, with, you know, hundreds of people working on it. Um, but yeah, that's my goal. Whenever possible, if I can work on small, experimental, try new things, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm much more, you know, uh, the, 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 the pace of working full, you know, at a, at a, at a full time, you know, on, on something where you're expected to, you know, be there every day, 
work full time and and have it be such a you know have it be such a along that production model of you know that you know we're paying you and you know you got to be as efficient as possible and and you know all the time that i feel like in the life of an artist it doesn't always give you the time to like process the all the experiences that you've had and then and then kind of turn them back into the next like really right. cool great artistic endeavor that you want to go on i think that's sort of an underrated thing that i've been thinking about a lot lately is that is that we don't really value like just like the time in between projects and like you know we, we more value like the person like the rock and i mean i love the rock but like he's working on 20 projects at once and all this and now i hear that and i'm like man that guy it must be this guy must have no free time and and uh you know the 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 more i get into my life and and the more i dig into my art career and 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 working on stuff the more i love just having free time and and time to process uh, you know, what I'm working on while I'm working on it. And then like, you know, d decide what do I want to do next? What do I want to do this year? What do I feel like doing next year? You know, not just having a, you know, an endless slate of things just being thrown on my desk that I am kind of yeah. obligated to work on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And all those are really great experiences. I don't regret any project I've worked on, yeah. but we change as we get older, as time goes by, we, yeah. we value things in different ways. And, you know, last five years have been completely different. Uh, to the five years prior to that, um, I, I, what I, what I, uh, what's important to me, you know, now I'm, I'm into meditation, live by the ocean. I want to work on small projects. It's, yeah. I didn't even know I was going to be this person. Yeah. Yeah. No, now. totally. But, I know. It's super trying, funny. Yeah. I'm trying to pay attention to like, you know, who am I now? You know, I'm 55 now and what's important to me, uh -huh. those kinds of things. And, um, you know, and I'm also definitely um, what's important to me as far as the, the business goes is to pass on what I know. And so, you know, the animation workshop was one of the first opportunities I had. I've been I went to Argentina a few months ago and I was uh, I went to a film festival there. They brought me out as a as a judge. You know, I was part of a jury. Uh -huh. And that was a great experience, too. Just like connecting with all these people. There's a lot of film students there. Um. So if we can do the same kind of thing on a project where I can basically mentor people, that's kind of where my head's at right now. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. I mean, that's definitely become a big part of uh of what I what I've been thinking about too, you know, with uh starting with Ghost Scout training camp and then uh starting this workshop and stuff now is just like I think as an artist and as someone who is has been so fortunate to be able to do what I love every day. And, you know, I've been doing this, this will be my 15th year as a freelance illustrator, you know? Um, cause I mean, even when I'm, even when I was working at Cartoon Network on Adventure Time, I mean, I still just considered that one big freelance illustration project. Cause you know, I, I never, did, never intended to have a career in that industry or anything like that. Um, but just how, uh, how much of a responsibility it is for people for for people like us to turn around and really try to you know help the the next generation of people through and just like there's such not established pathways for artists you know I mean not as much in the world because it's kind of a you know fringe um, you know career um, even though there's more and more of it these days um, I feel like 
and and also as an artist each person's path is has the opportunity to be so individualized um that you know there there's so many ways to get to where you want to go and also so many ways to end up where you didn't ever intend to go and and don't want to be and and could end up in a place that's actually really killing your artistic vision and creativity that i think having like you know not just the people that like might might you know be teaching at art school because they couldn't not like this is everybody but you know a lot of those teachers that you'll encounter you know that they couldn't make a living doing their thing and that's why they're there i think it's so important for people that are actually having thriving careers to turn around and 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 give some of their time to the to the to really inspire and help other people get to where they're going and and i think just like karmically and then just like how pumped up i get too like you know i'm right now i'm in the midst of the third round of the 12 week online group workshop and sunday it's like i get so pumped up to like vid chat with all these kids and make the assignment video for the week and get get them all hyped and like how much even i could view that as a selfish pursuit because that gets me so hyped up and like i mean <laughs> not not even counting go scout training camp where that's like my you know that's like my completely creating my own reality and having all these people come and like camp out in my perfect summer camp you know like my my like just dream world of what a summer camp for an adult would be so you know that that puts me over the moon and and i get just so much energy that lasts me all year from those things that you know i think that that's uh just it's such an important practice um you know for to create to create that sense of community for artists and 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 be there to answer questions and and be there to to say like yeah you're doing it you're doing a great job because one of the things that i see is that people overthink things and you know especially kids in the workshop um you know they'll think that when they are trying to transition from it being a fun hobby to a actual profession all of a sudden like they start to take the fun out of it and they start to take their own voice out of things and they start to say mm. okay what is the mainstream style how do, how does how do you what do you have yeah. to do to get a job at a studio and i go no 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 that's not the right way to do it man like i mean that people can get there and some people can have a sexual successful career like that but the way you're going to be happy is that everything you do is that you're super passionate about, you love it, you're keeping your work super personal, super tied to the things that interest you the most, and you're always setting yourself up to do the best job you can, you know, uh, with that project that's on your desk and keep it fun. Keep it for those same reasons why you started doing it in the first place. And if you do that and you do and you keep pushing yourself and you keep pushing your technical level and you keep pushing your conceptual level, like you will make a career out of it and it'll be a career that's actually worth having. You know, it's not just like, oh man, I, I now have like, I'm an adult in the middle of my career and I have a house and a family and cars. And now I have like really really high standard of living and now I just have to kind of take whatever job is available because the show that I just went on is on hiatus you know like that's that's the yeah. reality of a lot of this stuff and and uh you know I think uh, I I think some of it is uh you know just the just the just the perspective of of people going into it you know I think you can really carve out I think there's an infinite uh I think there's infinite possibilities in in really making your career any way you want to make it you know Oh, for sure. I totally agree. Uh, you saying all this triggered a memory I had when I was a kid. I took an art class and this was in Michigan and it was, I think it was during the summer or something. It was like, a, you know, my mom took me to it and dropped me off. Um, but the guy that taught it was like the local weatherman on the T on, on TV, on the news. Uh-huh. And his, his, uh, shtick was to like draw characters while he was, get, 
given the weather report. That's so funny. I know, like cartoon characters. Anyway, I took his class, and the thing is, I created all these little characters when I was seven years old. These little, like, little spider character and a snake character and a bird, and I wrote stories and I made little comic books with them. Really simple designs, right? And I would modify them over the years, but they still had a very simple look to them. Well, he saw my designs. He says, oh, no, you need to add like, like he basically drew over my like snake character and like added all this detail. And pretty soon it looked like one of his characters. And I thought, that sucks. And I'm like, I'm like a little (laughs) kid. I'm like 10 years old. I'm like, no, that's not my character anymore. Yeah, yeah. No. So I know exactly what you're talking about. You got to stick to whatever your style is. You know, you need to nurture it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and even uh, if you think you don't have a style, like trust me, you do. It's in there you somewhere, do. and it's it's yeah. a, it's the it's the right combination of just like, of just like the aesthetics that you appreciate. Of course, there's of course there's input. Of course, you're going to be inspired by things, but you know there's a difference between being inspired by something and digesting it, and then turning it, you know, adding to it and 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 mixing yeah. it in your pot, and then and then you know yeah. grab getting some giving some of its seasonings and some vibes into your stuff than just saying like oh this is how comics are drawn and oh this is what the modern animation style on cartoon network looks like and i'm gonna draw all my characters like that you know and stuff like that where where you know people are so concerned with having an individual style and you know if you just keep working in your sketchbook and keep applying that to finished work of you know any kind uh you know you'll develop that style and 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 just yeah. you know your style should like if i look at your work and i know you as a person they should match up you know i should see so much of you in your work i mean it should really be that should really be what you are you should really be expressing uh your voice as this creative animal living in an infinite universe through your work you know that's that's to me what what an artist is it's that we're all these amazing creatures here with our own perception with our own uh you know uh wacky dreams that we dream at night i mean no one you know we have different themes as humans that we dream about but everybody's dreams are like so wacky and so different and so specific to who you are that your work should be that specific to who you are just like your dreams you know to me that's what i'm always trying to capture i'm basically trying to kind of capture the vibes that happen to me in my dreams on paper in my illustrations you know that's always my cue it's like if i feel like i'm getting into that level of territory then i'm in the right place and that's where i want to go and and the cool thing is the more and more you do that the better you get at it and like when i started out i could only do that a little bit and now 15 years later, I can challenge myself so much with the complexity of a piece and the characters and, and the content and the concept and all this stuff that like I can pull off so much more. And then once I pull that off, I go, oh, wow, now I can take it even further and, 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 and ta- capture even crazier visual material and crazier conceptual material. And, and I feel like that's where you stay alive as an artist and, and, and your, uh, your flame just keeps on, you know, burning ever brighter and, and, uh, and all that. And I feel like, you know, you can you can you can then if you're smart and you hold on to that you can take that and apply it to kind of any genre you know if you want to go big or you want to go small you want to work for big studios you want to just do your own indie projects you really have a lot of flexibility there but it's always got to come from that place first Mm -hmm. yeah i totally agree yeah and uh that uh stop motion animators you sometimes you can see their style in the way they they animate you can say oh i can tell that's a a tim hiddle shot or yeah you know Tim Hiddles is an amazing clay animator. He's got this character called Jay Clay, and he's made like three films with him. And one of them was nominated for Academy Award a few years ago. Uh, 
But here's the flip side to that is if you're making a movie, say like Coraline or something, and you want your characters to all kind of act the same way, that you, you, it's hard to cast certain people sometimes because of a strong style or you, well, you know, like you got to um, figure out how they fit in, in the film. And yeah. uh, that's, that's a challenge. That's, I mean, that's a, as a supervisor, I would have to work with the director and figure out, well, who, who would be good at this? Or, or they're just really good at like real physical stuff and, you know, maybe the acting, uh, not so much, or, you know, dialogues, this person's really good at dialogues, so we'll cast them. So trying to fit these people in like, uh, puzzle pieces yeah. in a schedule. <laughs> it's, so anyway, yeah, that's that world. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing is like a lot of times you're going to actually have a lot more fun and, and maybe make more personal breakthroughs and discoveries working on a fun project of a fun short with your friends than you are. If you get to the level of being able to sell a pilot to cartoon network or whatever, and you do it with the executives, trust me, working with your friends is a lot more fun than working with the executives, you know? <laughs> Yeah, working with your friends is the best. It's That's the best, best man. It's the yeah. best, you know? Like, I mean, yeah. I think that there's definitely, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a place for, you know, working with big studios and working on big projects. But um, I think it's much more interesting to jump back and forth, you know, between, oh, I'm going to work on a big studio project and then I'm going to come back and work on just my own project for a while and then, and then let that, you know, pique other people's interests. And that leads me back into some other studio work. And then I come back and work on my yeah. own stuff. You know, I, I think that's the... I think that's yeah. the winning formula, even though most people think like, oh, my God, I have an opportunity to work full time at a studio. Boom, I'm there. You know, that's that's it. But but most people that I saw working at Cartoon Network and stuff like they're not even working on, you know, their own work outside of that. And you just sort of can also just become like a technician uh, more or less. And some people like that. But I don't know. Like, I, th I feel like we all start out with our voices as an artist and, and wanting to kind of express you know, our, our take on things and whatnot. And, uh, and sometimes that can, it can just, you know, I don't know. I, I always, I'm always, uh, I always want to give cautionary tales of people of, of people's artwork turning into just a job, you know, cause that to me, for some reason, it strikes me so sad. And I saw so much of that when I was there that I think maybe people don't see as much if they're just in that, in that life, in that life all the time that, uh, you know, that there's, there's really infinite variations within that, that you can create for yourself. Yeah. And it's all good. I mean, what, a, what a great thing it is to be working in something creative anyway. Yeah. Um, but I just would say, pay attention to that, you know, that still voice, you know, what, what are you craving? What do you want to do? What do you totally and pursue those things? You know, like after Coraline, I got to know Jamie Cleary on Coraline cause he worked on it. And uh, I got in touch with him. I said, hey, if you ever get a project, because I had seen some of his stuff. He had done like, this ad for United Airlines with a dragon. And I was blown away by the stuff he had done. He'd done the credits for uh, end credits for Lemony Snicket. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was beautiful. It was, you know, the animation, the design. And just I'm like, I was really attracted to it. So I put it out there like, hey, if you ever get a project. So he, you know, a few months later, he did. I wasn't doing anything at the time. And he, he said, I oh, got a project. We're doing these titles for a Showtime series called United States of Terra. Are you available? And so I said, yeah. So I flew down to Ojai. Ojai is about two hours, two and a half hours south of here. Uh -huh. um, 
but I was up in Portland at the time. And I went down there and I, I started working with him and another guy, Alex Uhas, another guy named Morgan Hay, who I had known from um, Coraline. Um, we had like a little four or five person crew and we did these titles in about two weeks, put it out there. It ended up winning an Emmy Award. And, you know, I don't really care about awards, but it was so I was pretty happy that a little project like that won. Yeah, for, uh, that's so it cool. Won, like main title design or something. Yeah. All right. Hold on. Let me see what this yeah. phone call is all about. Okay. Hello? Oh, it's nothing. Hello? It's a ghost. Uh, she's not here right now. Uh, not till this evening. Yes. Oh, do you want me to take a message? Oh, no, I think we're good with that. I think we're good. Thank you. <laughs> it's just like some fucking spam call or whatever. That's how we do it. We just keep it in the pot. We keep it raw. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, so, uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just real quick. Um, yeah, working with Jamie, we worked with paper. So it was simplified. We were working. We didn't have like big, you know, foam puppets with metal armatures and, you know, real expensive puppets. We had, we were working with paper and cutouts and um, just beautifully designed, you know, elements. And it was kind of a similar experience to me working with clay again if you know what i mean yeah it brought me back to like i just love the simplicity of it i love the small crews and uh just things happen faster you know what i mean like and it's uh -huh. they're more uh -huh. open to experimental and ideas as well it doesn't have to go through a whole like committee or a meeting or anything like that um and i end up working with jamie on a number of things and then we you know eventually moved to montreal and worked on little prints so and that was all paper characters as well um even though some of them were three-dimensional yeah but but it was just uh you know that's what i mean by experimental and being open to different ideas and and trying new things it's exciting yeah <clears throat> that's so cool man yeah it's interesting how different projects lead to other projects and how people you encounter earlier in your career will come back into play i mean i remember when I was first coming out of school and I had put out a couple comics uh, with Top Shelf and I used to go to the conventions and stuff and, uh, you know, early on at, at like Ape or whatever and some of these other conventions in 2004, 2005, um, yeah, I, I met like uh, Tom Herpick and Andy Rischiano. I had actually met Tom Herpick earlier when I was in school at Pratt and then, you know, ended up, those guys ended up getting hired on Adventure Time when I was working on them. So it's, it's really funny, you know, how, uh, how you'll, you know, encounter people earlier and then they'll kind of come back in and, and, uh, and, and you'll be working on really cool projects with them and you would have had no idea that that would have been the case, you know, when you first bumped into them. Totally. That's so cool. So um, one of the things I wanted to ask you uh, was, what is the spookiest thing that's ever happened to you? <laughs> this is one of the questions that we ask on the uh, application for Ghost Scout Training Camp. And I want to start asking everybody on the pod because I love spooky stories. Oh, man, I totally came out of nowhere. <laughs> um, yeah, this is hard because nothing's jumping out at me. Yeah, some people don't have spooky stories. Some people do. Some people have really spooky stories. 
I mean, I should have a spooky story. You mean like a ghost story? I mean, or? I don't know anything. Whatever, whatever could be spooky. I don't know. Oh, oh man, I better come up with something. <laughs> it's okay if you don't if you don't have one. Well, okay, I have a story. Okay, it's not it's not spooky to me. It's okay. spooky to other people. Okay, is that okay? Yeah, definitely. All right. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with that movie called The Howling. It was a werewolf movie. Right. And so I made a werewolf costume and <laughs> I put my brother in it and uh, we're like teenagers. We're not little kids. Uh-huh. So we're taught. He's taught and he's wearing this werewolf costume. It's head to toe this like furry. It's like fake fur, but scary head with teeth and ears and everything. And, uh, you know, if you look at it with the lights on, it looks like it looks pretty bad, but. Anyway, he puts it on at night and he's like running around the neighborhood and he's like running around um, the backyards. You know, there were no fences or anything like that. So you could like cross it. There was like woods behind the houses and trees. Yeah. And uh, he was like hanging out in the woods and the neighbors you know, down the way saw him and they're like, oh, what is that? Oh, get the gun. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> they were God. All spooked. So they were spooked out. That's my spooky story. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, no, he had to like take the head off and say, no, it's just me. <laughs> wow. Did they pull a gun on him? Did they bring out a rifle? No, there's no gun involved. There's just there's something he heard them say. But oh, they right. were spooked. They were like, what is that? You know, because, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, that would be pretty scary. If I saw a werewolf running in my woods, I would definitely yeah. grab the rifle and <laughs> kind of watch it and see what was happening. Yeah, it's, I mean, if you can't really see what it is, it definitely spooked the cat out, too. I had the costume just kind of sitting on the sofa with nobody in it, and the cat was like, <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. You'd think a cat would know that there's no, like, there's no like living energy. You always think the animals are like more in tune than like a person would be, but yeah. <laughs> it does still get spooked out by stuff. And then weird. there's that weird thing where like, I don't know how true it is, but those viral things of the cats being spooked out by cucumbers or whatever and fucking jumping, jumping all over the place. Oh yeah, I saw that. knows <laughs> why. So strange. So strange, man. Cats are very weird creatures. They always seem like they're having some psychedelic experience. I think they're communicating with uh, alien beings. I think they're from another planet. Yeah, definitely. I'm a big proponent of of uh, the fact that like there's probably a lot of things that are here that we think are terrestrial species are actually alien species. I love that idea. Like insects and stuff. Like any insect yeah. that you see could be from a fucking other planet. You don't fucking know. Octopus. Oh, definitely octopus. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a portal at the bottom of the ocean that's just like, you know, there's a, black, a wormhole down there and all the fucking ocean life coming out of there is just from another dimension. Oh, man, that's cool. I like that idea. Yeah, well, that's what's so interesting is that, I mean, most of this planet is obviously underwater and we barely explored any of it. And then a lot of civilization, a lot of past civilization is all underwater because, you know, I mean, the yeah. coasts eventually sort of get, you know, the ocean rises and the coasts get buried and all that stuff are flooded and and whatnot and the land mass has changed so so much of and so much of cities is on the coast and so much of it ends yeah. up you know underwater at a certain point that you know and and to think that i mean they say that like we've barely found the smallest percentage of all the shipwrecks that there have ever been because people have been crossing the ocean forever but you know how are you going to find all those wrecks i mean we we've discovered so little of what's in the ocean that's like a very, very cool thing you know there's some kind of you know and and actually i just saw the did you see that thing about the lasers in the jungle where they where they just were able to map out a lot of new uh mayan uh structures that they had that they didn't know existed before 
Oh, I haven't seen that. No. Yeah, it's cool. They can fly over now and drop laser, you know, just bounce lasers down. And maybe they can, I don't know if that works in the ocean too. Maybe we'll develop some technology to kind of start to do that more in the ocean too. But yeah, they just like were able to kind of like 3D map, you know, basically take away all the vegetation and 3D map. And they found that, you know, by flying over that there's all these structures that they didn't know were there. And all these new revelations. They're just the last couple of days. They've been, I've seen posts going around about it. So it's pretty neat. That is cool. Cause there's a perception that I think there's like a weird false perception that like, we've kind of explored everything there is to explore and like humans know everything there is to know. But I think it's like the opposite. I think it's like, we know almost nothing about existence and that that's what makes it so exciting. Yeah, we don't know very much. I feel like everybody people... strives so hard to make life seem super normal when, like, life is the farthest thing from normal to me. Like, that's what makes it so strange. Like, of all the paths that you could choose in this, like, infinite, truly infinite reality to say, like, I'm going to, like, get, and not to knock anybody, but just, like, you know, to say, like, I'm just going to, like, get in my car and go to this job that I really could care less about. And I'm going to dress like everybody else and put on this suit because this is the business suit and this and that. It's like, it's like that is such a strange choice of how to spend your existence when, when we barely have scratched the surface of even understanding what existence is. That is always something that, you know, as I've always strived to be someone that's, like, just really following my intuition through life and and even when it's completely nonsensical to just jump out and and follow that and 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 do things that seem super interesting and the call out to me because I really think that's what the human animal is kind of meant to do here um I always find it so strange that so many people go the opposite way and they just say like what is what are the most amount of people doing uh okay I'm going to go do that without even ever asking why like that always really bugs me out uh yeah yeah, I ask a lot of questions. Oh, I just want to say, though, I'm really glad and, and pleased that you, you started this whole podcast. Um, I listen to podcasts all the time because I don't want to watch television. And right, there's so right. much out there, so much good information and conversations, and they just they go deep with it. And I just, what was the reason you decided to uh, create a podcast? Um, I think that, you know, I became, I, I, I ditched my cell phone when I was in, uh, LA. So I've been, I've been deviceless for a really long time, but then with like the rise of Instagram, um, I got an iPod like two years ago, like an iPod touch, which is basically like a smartphone. That's not a phone. Um, and, uh, and, you know, so that I could kind of keep up with Instagram and, and, and keep marketing myself on Instagram and stuff. And, um, and, uh, I started to get just super hooked on podcasts cause I'm like, I'm into sports, I'm into this and that. So like, you know, now I subscribe to more podcasts than I can listen to in a day. And yeah. then, um, you know, and then I've always just been like a wild talker, you know, like I'm always like, I can just talk forever. And like I'm always, always, so whenever I open my mouth, something comes out, it might be totally stupid or not, but you know, and then, uh, I just love like, you know, like when I, when I, when we moved, uh, when I was 12, you know, I would spend all this time like talking long distance on the phone to my friends and stuff. And like, as you get older in life, like you just don't get to get in contact with your friends as much as you used to. So I don't know, I started to get this idea, like, man, I should just do a podcast where I just talk to my friends, like people that I actually want to like be catching up with regularly in my life. Um, cause that's something that I really want to do. And then like, 
And then like, man, what if I did that with all my creative friends and then like had those conversations out there, you know, again, going back to the idea of like just inspiring people to just like follow their creative ish intuition through their life. Like maybe someone hears this podcast and they go like, oh, wow, yeah, maybe I don't want to just go like get a job for money. Maybe I do want to like follow my creative intuition and believe in myself and like see what can happen, you know, because like. I don't know, I was such a fuck up as a kid and like it took me so long to figure out that I could like be creative and like and that there was like alternatives to reality. I I it took me a long time to realize there was a reality outside of mainstream reality. So like I don't know, I just I just feel like kind of everything with the podcast kind of came together and you know, I don't know, I see myself as you know, just, just, you know, having these great conversations with friends and then, uh, putting that information out there to hopefully just make some people go like, Hmm, yeah, I'm going to like give this thing a shot, you know, like, cause I've like, I literally tell people all the time, like I'm a total fuck up. I'm a, I'm a dumb, dumb. Like I can't go out and do much in, in mainstream reality, but I can create my own reality and have the best life I can imagine and do all this cool stuff, you know, when I do my own thing. So like, I think there are a lot of other people that are wired like that. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and you never know, like, I remember just like, I was already kind of on my path at this point, but I remember I got into, I, 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 I was aware of David Lynch, but like, I didn't, I hadn't really like, like seen his work, uh, you know, up until like I was living in my first cabin in like maybe 2005 or something like that. And I just like heard him talking on NPR. Uh, I think he was promoting Inland Empire and I just like heard him talking about his creative process. And I was like, whoa, this guy knows about creativity. Like I got to go watch all this guy's work right now. And like, so you never know. It's like literally hearing someone talk for like 10 seconds can just like spark a whole creative like revolution in your life. You know, like, like then he became one of my favorite filmmakers. And like, you know, I have such a love for the absurd that it really like fed that fed into me. And, 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 you know, he's, he's one of the people that has really influenced me a lot. And that was kind of, you know, early on in my professional career. And, uh, you know, so I've never underestimated the power of like, if you do have something to say, like get it out there because like there is something where the universe is going to like put that in someone's ear who needs to hear it. So like, I don't know, you know, I feel like that's just like part of my mission. That's great. Does that make sense? (laughs) Totally makes, no, it totally makes sense. Yeah. I like, I like the, how you, uh, David Lynch, uh, inspired you. Yeah. And it's just fun, you know, and like, you know, other people's podcasts inspired me. I mean, Andy J. Miller does the creative pep talk podcast, which, you know, is, is, you know, sort of along similar lines. Like he's much more refined than I am. I'm like, I'm like the sailor version of that, like drinking, smoking, cussing, you know, like, I feel like I have like a kind of a real raw take on things and, and, uh, and, and I'm kind of kind of more of an outsider than a lot of people. Um, but, uh, but yeah, his podcast is great. And, 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 uh, you know, I don't know. I love the, I love the mix of like having it be inspirational, but also just having it be like whatever bullshit we want to like make up about and talk about. And we talk about like aliens on here and like, just like anything, like you could talk about anything on here. There isn't a genre that wouldn't have a place like on this podcast. Really the theme of it is really just two friends having a conversation that's entertaining to them. And like, I think if you do that, then like, I don't know, it'll, it'll create some magic in the universe. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's amazing that we can do this. 
for one thing and put it out there and anybody in the world if they find it they can listen to it yeah and it's so crazy dude because like you know i'm lucky enough that like for some reason i have like a real like international fan base and like you know whenever i put up stuff for sale it's like orders are going all over the world and like at least half of them are gonna be international and stuff like that it's always mind-blowing to me so it's so cool to me that you know listeners will will you know, email me or, or, you know, or write me on social media and just say like, you know, how much this podcast means to them and that they're like super inspired. And, you know, I always have the message at the end to like, you know, Hey, like, you know, use this podcast to like, you know, kind of inspire you and like set some goals this week and all that stuff. And I try to get my message of inclusion in at the end to like, kind of like, you know, I don't know, just, just be open-minded about people with different views than you and, and stuff like that. And even though this podcast is just kind of starting out and has a small listener you know i feel like just getting getting cool ideas out there there's so many like whack ideas out there and the the mainstream reality is so bright and so loud that you know that can seem like that's the only messages out there but you know i think the more and more of us who are just like cool people doing their own thing and doing something different than the mainstream you know the more we go out there and i could do this in anonymity and i could just do my own thing and and be happy with myself but i don't know something so much more powerful about about getting it out there and 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 trying to like you know just get more people to 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 get psyched up to do their version of what you're doing you know like i don't know i'm just like enchanted with that idea no i hear you i think i'm kind of bored with mainstream i mean the ideas they just recycle everything it's just it's not very inspiring to me yeah and uh i um i loved uh twin peaks the return yeah completely different and so different so crazy so cool yeah that was my favorite thing last year more than any any movie yeah or or tv i didn't see a lot of tv shows but that one i when i found out he was doing that again i was like really i don't know if this is gonna work and i loved it i knew i I knew it would at least like i knew that especially when he threatened to walk away from it and then they brought it back like i knew that it would be good because david lynch is like you know, whether you like his work or not, or whether you understand his work or not, he's a hundred percent artist. Like he, he does not compromise, you know, he's like, he's always doing him and it's always super crazy. So like, you know, he just gets weirder and weirder as time goes on. So, yeah, he said like after Dune, he said never again, cause he, he relinquished, uh, you know, right. 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 And, uh, you know, ever since then, no. Uh Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, it just goes back to the studio stuff. You know, it's always that hard compromise of, of you know, it's it's great to reach that level, but then you're making a lot of sacrifices at that level at the same time. You know, it's a miracle when a major studio project actually becomes like an artistic triumph. I mean, that's like, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's not easy to pull that off, you know? Yeah, and he doesn't necessarily have to make a movie every two or three years. No, it's like, not oh, at like, all. Yeah, he'll like cut an album. He'll go. He'll do some paintings. He'll write a book. He'll yeah. go talk about meditation. I mean, he's got. He's an inspiration to me, just because you're not just one thing, right? You know, totally. as an artist, and, and that's another thing with the podcast too. I think it's good to diversify the kind of projects that you're doing, and and yeah. and even for your own brand and stuff. It's like, you know, it's fun when you can just like think of like, wow, that would be a really fun thing to do, and then just start doing it, and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah. you know, this podcast is synergizing with the workshop that I'm doing, and then it all feeds back to Go Scouts, and like, you know, it's like, it's I don't know, there's just all of a sudden my life is just multiplying and multiplying with like all these super fun, cool things that I get to do. And, 
And, uh, you know, a lot of them are based around just creating a creative community, which I think is like just a super enriching thing to do, you know, when there's so many like artificial communities online and on social media and all these like all this like meaningless community that and that's one of the things I love about podcasts. I feel like it's like sort of a backlash against like against like the the like of like just you know tweeting or something where it's like the minimal amount of characters and thought go into this communication where like you know this is much more like that long distance phone call that you'd get on with your friend and it's like this long conversation where like you're much more apt to actually understand what someone's talking about than in like a Facebook rant or like a, or like a tweet when you like actually listen to someone's podcast, you actually really get to know the person and get to know the people that are on the podcast and get to really hear what they're thinking, whether you, whether or not agree with it or not. But you know, it's a, actually, it's much more in depth, which I love. I think it's super cool. Me too. Yeah, me too. When I was a kid, I used to listen to talk radio because I thought it was so cool that people could call in and talk to the, about a number of subjects or talk to the host about, whatever i always thought that was neat you know like bringing people together and that was like that was back then and then the internet came out and i thought wait a minute this is this is great for bringing people together all over the world totally and in uh, i think it was in 1999 i started a website called stopmotionanimation.com and oh, sort right. of I remember that yeah yeah as a support like basically to bring people together exchange information because when i was a kid there i was telling you there's no books hardly any information out there and right. i just thought create a website and um anyway I don't know how many members there are on right now, and uh, it's still going, uh, still still out there. And a couple of years ago, I got the idea to do a uh, stop mo jam where people could submit their film and cut it with another. I had like 50 uh, uh, little films all cut together, like this 16-minute long piece called Stop Mo Jam, and I think the the word was spring. It was the theme. I wanted to keep the theme loose, but but we had all these people participate and we cut them all together. It took forever to get it all together because of the music and the sound effects and, you know, editing. Um, but I'm just wrapping up the second one right now. I got the title shot and we're getting the music done. But it's uh, it's basically characters like running in place and then just kind of cuts from one to another to another to another. And these are like submissions from all over the world. You That's know, like, so cool. Yeah, I got, I got a guy from, uh, I got one from Russia this time. I got Mexico. Yeah, it's UK. so exciting. It's so exciting. Oh, yeah. there's my alarm for the bus stop. So we got to wrap this up. I got to go get All my right, son. Man. But we got an hour and a half in the bank here. So we are, That's we're great. good. This has been a super fun podcast. Um, so where, where can people find you? Where can people see what you're working on or, you know, whatever? Uh, anthonyscott.net is my personal website stopmotionanimation.com if you just want to check out the community out there that's those are the two good ones sweet sweet all right cool man well thanks for coming on the podcast that's awesome and uh i will click over i'll click the recording off and then we can uh, say goodbye on the other side all right man thanks for the invitation it was a lot of fun yeah no doubt we'll have to get you back on i really am into the idea of just talking with all my friends and and then just you know eventually bringing people back on so that the audience can kind of oh look forward to people coming back on and stuff like that so we'll have to get you back on for sure cool definitely awesome all right we'll click it off all right well we've done it once again we have delivered a inspiring entertaining podcast straight through your ears into your face you know what i'm saying 
I hope everybody enjoyed that. Anthony Scott is a super cool dude. Um, check out his uh, online presence and uh, go enjoy some of those fine movies that he worked on because, my gosh, you pull up his IMDb page and it's like, you know, just half of the cool uh, animated movies that you've seen in your life. That's pretty boss. That's pretty fucking cool. Shout out to Anthony Scott for coming on the pod. And I uh, can't wait to have him back again. Does it get any better than this, guys? Look at this. We are just guys, girls, human beings on the planet Earth, off the planet Earth, in the planet Earth, under the flat Earth. All we're doing here is sitting here, talking to friends on the Internet, spreading these positive vibes, letting people know that if you have the fire inside you, you know what I'm saying? If you have the desire, if you have the burning desire inside you to be a creative uh, person in your life, all you need to do is, you know, do it. Get out there, put your work ethic in full effect, put it on blast, put it on high, put your fucking phasers on maximum maximum intensity, maximum productivity, and you're going to start to see things happen. It doesn't happen overnight, but over the course of many nights, things will start to happen and you just don't stop. If you don't stop, then you will have some success. You know what I'm saying? Trust me. If I can do it, you can too. Um, So let's see what else has been going on. Um, I'm working on my, uh, doing the pencils for my raw rolling tray. Uh, that project is coming out super dope. Uh, ultimate dream project, hall of fame project for me. Um, I was hoping to have the pencils finished last week, but, um, I was sick. So, uh, my family was sick. I was taking care of baby Junie who infected us all. God damn it. Never have a family unless you want to have the best time of your life, but also get sick all the time. Um, it's pretty inevitable that once you bring a sick child into your home, everyone is going to get sick eventually. So shout outs to all the parents out there that are homesick or have been homesick or will be inevitably homesick in the future. You know what I'm saying? Um, what else? Snow day today. Speaking of being home, my Wolfie's home. Uh, it's a snow day. We're supposed to get a bunch of snow. It's already super beautiful out here, so we're going to do some sledding. I'm going to do some drawing, you know what I'm saying? Deeply embedded in this dream life. Uh, got to do the grocery shopping over at the food co-op in town here to get some delicious meats and veggies. Um, and uh, let's see what else. Um, I think that's about it. For now, um, I know I've got some other stuff going on uh, that I'm forgetting about. Oh, I've been I've been chipping away a little bit at the Beehive Boy comic, but I've been trying to focus mostly on this raw tray to get it done. And then I got to do some. Um, I got to move the kitchen and the house around, so I'm gonna be uh, kind of reorganizing the setup of the living room coming later this month. I got a big month planned. Let's see if we can pull it off. I'm trying to finish this raw tray and uh, basically reconfigure the main living quarters of the house into its final form um, so I can construct the walls to the kid's bedroom. Baby Juniper has outgrown her crib. She can just climb out of it now, so I have to um, 
construct their little room downstairs so that they can uh, get the bunk beds in there and share bunk beds like proper siblings, right? Get those kiddos in the bunk bed, bunk bed. Um, Yeah, basically uh, just doing my thing as usual, drawing in the woods, um, smoke a weed, vaping weed, I should say. Shout out to the vapes, you know what I'm saying? You know I'll be vaping that plant, getting my mind right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm doing this rolling tray and, uh, hopefully, uh, getting a little more progress on the, on the Beehive Boy story. It's, uh, it's a, it's pretty close to, uh, being something. It's, it's fucking awesome. It's looking super dope. I can't wait to share it with everybody. Every time I look at it, I'm like, oh my God, this is looking fucking amazing. Um, so I'll try to snap some, some, some more stuff. Now I don't want to give it all away before it comes out. Uh, before I before I figure out exactly what we're gonna do with it here, but we've got a lot of really fun stuff coming up. I might have some other fun announcements. Um, me and the homie Dose One, uh, Adam Kid Drucker are uh, reuniting and um, you know kicking around some ideas for making some more uh, little cartoons because he is uh, basically uh, in charge of creating animated content for Meow Wolf. And I've been, uh, I got a great idea and, uh, been, we've been bouncing it back and forth as we do and coming up with just the kind of funnest stuff. And this time it's going to be full of swears and blood. It's going to be, uh, on the adult tip, um, for Meow Wolf, uh, and, uh, basically Dose, me and Dose would be making it together and he also would be like the executive producer of it. Hold on. (laughs) What's up, buddy? I'm doing the podcast. No, no, no! You don't come up, please. I'm doing the podcast. Okay. Uh, buddy, we already talked about it. You can watch. I know, buddy, but I'll be down in a minute, okay? <laughs> and that's how we do it. We keep it raw. This is the podcast. This is all. This is an interrupted podcast. We got the phone ringing off the hook. We got Wolfie coming upstairs. Woo! That's how it works. You know what I'm saying? Because I got a busy life. Um, but I hope everybody's had a great week out there. A couple weeks, really, because um, we're a little late on this one. But uh, let's see. Uh, the next podcast is going to be with my man, um, Andy Rischiano from Adventure Time and uh, from uh, many comics uh, from back in the day. We we, we know each other from uh, when I started doing comics. And um, we met at, uh, I think, Ape back in, like, 2005 or something like that. I think I mentioned it in this podcast. Andy Rischiano will be the next guest on the Ghost from Breads podcast. Um, he's a super cool dude. I'm sure he has uh, lots of amazing stories to tell us um, about all his artistic endeavors. He's been doing it for a long time as well. And uh, super hyped to catch up with my homie. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we're just going to keep it rolling. We're going to keep bringing you the hits. You know what I'm saying? Um, so uh, if you love what you hear, go over to patreon.com slash shrimp. Get early access. Get the beef stew shout outs. Um, show some love for the podcast. Um, you know what I'm saying? Eventually, I think we'll get some merch going for the pod. Maybe some some shirts or some hats or some pins or all of the above. Um, so you can express your love for the podcast that way as well, because we're just growing. You know we aren't stopping. You know we're moving forward. Um, and whatever projects you're working on, push them forward. Use this week 
to uh, set a goal, you know, even if it's just one, you know, set one goal that's going to get you a little bit closer to making your life right now just a, a better version of what you've got going on. You know what I'm saying? You can always streamline it, right? Think about the routines, the habits that you're doing every day. Um, think about what are, what are some of the least productive ones, you know what I'm saying? Um, this week in the 12-week online group workshop is the week where we have them do a little video of uh, what are the three least productive habits you have and what are three good productive habits you can replace them with that are going to kind of start to align you more with your with your biggest goals. You know what I'm saying? So um, you guys can think about that. You girls can do that as well. Everybody out there in the listening audience all across this flat old hollow round earth, um, you know, use this as an opportunity and as a reminder to really try to streamline your life, get rid of the baggage, get rid of the garbage, get rid of the distractions and replace them with meaningful, interesting things, you know, things that interest you the most, the things that are the most personal to you, the most meaningful, um, fill your life with the people that mean the most to you. You know what I'm saying? Get on the phone and, and talk to your best friends. You know what I'm saying? Start a podcast called your best friends and friends podcast and fucking, you know, make all your dreams come true. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, um, the applications for Ghost Scout Training Camp Year 7 are on the website. So uh, they're due June 1st. So get on it. Um, it's a little bit of a process to apply. You got to make a video. You got to answer some questions. You got to do a little drawing. Um, it's all awesome shit. So, uh, okay, thanks, buddy. Just don't interrupt me never stops once you become a parent it never stops um but we're almost hitting two hours on this pod so we're gonna cap it off um just remember when you're out there pursuing your dreams um really make an effort to inspire other people to also pursue their dreams you know what i'm saying and it doesn't matter if they don't look like you if they don't sound like you if they don't come from the same place as you you know what i'm saying we're all walking this planet trying to figure out our own lives, um, trying to have a good time, trying to find our place in the world, trying to find out what this shit is all about, trying to solve those metaphysical mysteries. So let's band together. I think that we're always more powerful when we cooperate. You know, all this drama, all this conflict is, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it It's always there, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe we can transcend it. But, you know, I do my best in my daily life to really transcend it, to really tune that stuff out, to really, uh, you know, try to just uh, dissolve the negative by being just super positive, super high morale, super uh, productive in my life and trying to spread that around to people in my sphere. So um, I hope everybody's doing great. And I hope if you are at a challenging time in your life, Shit, man, don't worry. Uh, shit, girl, don't worry. Um, you know, everybody's been through it. I've been through it. There's been times in my life where I didn't fucking think that I looked in the future and there was a black hole of oblivion and I had no idea who I was. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, now I'm really living a, a great version of my dream life and I'm very confident and I really have a strong identity. So just stick with it and you will figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Band together with your friends, with your with your productive friends, with your positive friends and you know, just let go of those negative relationships in your life cuz that's a big drag on you.
All right, that's it. We will see you next week. You will hear from me next week. Peace out.